You're listening to United Q Podcast. We're brought to you by ProQ, Kamado Joe, Thermopen, and Smokewood Shack. ProQ's extensive range of bullet smokers, reverse flow, and gravity-fed smokers will suit all, from the home enthusiast to the big volume caterer. Kamado Joe, the king of ceramics, is renowned for build quality and innovation. When smoking, roasting, or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Thermapen Instant Read Thermometers. Take the guesswork out of barbecuing with the super fast Thermapen. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent. This week's show, we've got Josh Katz from Berber and Q. Hey, Josh, how are you doing? Hi, guys. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're really good, thanks. Thanks for coming on. It's taken us a while to get you on because we've messed up our scheduling, so I apologise for that. <laughs> yeah. No, well, I think I was I contributed to the, the messing up of scheduling as well, so it was... Sorry, we've made it. We're here yeah, now. Yeah, we've got there in the end. <laughs> and we've got a copy of your book as well, so... It's looking absolutely awesome. We'll get onto that in a minute. Oh, lovely. Have um, you cooked anything from it yet? Uh, I have, actually. And I'll, uh, All right. Yeah, I've got some photos as well. I did a, did one of the cauliflower shawarma. Oh, classic. Yeah. 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 Good place and to start. Amazing. Did it work? Yeah, yeah. It's so good. So good. Okay. Good yeah. stuff. All right. So before we kick off, I guess, can you give us a little bit of an intro about who you are and how you got into this sort of thing? Uh, yeah, I um, I started cooking professionally about ten years ago. I actually started at um, at Galvin Bistro, a French restaurant on Baker Street here in London. So I, I didn't start uh, out, you, you know, cooking professionally uh, in terms of barbecuing, or that was always something that I was just doing on on the sort of side and in my spare time, and something that I've been doing since I was a kid, but. Professionally, I started out, uh, I did my apprenticeship in a French restaurant and then moved on to Ottolenghi, where I worked for a couple of years. Uh, I, I never know in this day and age, I assume everybody knows about Ottolenghi, but I never really know. I always got to, they I have to check in to see, but I'm assuming most people know about, about Ottolenghi. Uh, so that is where I started to get into uh, cooking with Middle Eastern ingredients, uh, North African ingredients, just sort of. Mediterranean food from the Levant. That's, that's kind of where I started um, getting into it professionally. I was actually living on the Edgware Road at, at the time. Uh, and again, I, I don't know whether, whether you're familiar with the Edgware Road or not, yep. basically uh, an area with a high con- 
concentration on Lebanese and Persian restaurants. And I, I lived there for six to seven years. So um, that kind of all was happening at the same time. I started getting into the, the flavors. I was traveling a lot to um, to Istanbul and to Israel and to Morocco and, and just spending a lot of my, my travel time in those sort of areas exploring the, the food. So um, I, I, I kind of was getting into... Um, those flavors and those ingredients and then I always had this love for for sort of cooking over fire that I've had since I was sort of um a, a little boy I used to I mean everyone has everyone has a story but I used to go to Canada every year when I was when I was little I had a very good friend in Canada and the Canadians are, are sort of crazy about outdoors and and um they had a a, a little sort of holding property holding on um on a lake uh, about an hour and a half outside of Toronto. That's where I used to go and spend all my, my, my sort of summers growing up. Um, and and I, I used to, we used to sort of spend the days in the lake and the nighttime we would just be cooking and, and cooking over fires where I started getting into it. And I went every year from the age of nine to about 19. I think I did like 10 or 11 years on the trot. So, I, I, I um, you know, that's that's kind of where I got into um, the start for me was sort of getting into to cooking on, on, on live fire and cooking barbecue and food. And it was the kind of coming together of, of those different influences and inspirations and sort of paths that I took in my life that sort of came together with, with Berber and Q and, and the restaurant. Amazing. I can imagine that. I mean, Arthur is such a, I mean, for me, an inspiring chef uh, and for a lot of people, I guess. Uh, it must have been amazing working under, under him and, and in the restaurant. Yeah, you know, I loved my time at Artelengi. It was uh, they they treated everybody with respect. They gave um, opportunity to have a creative voice if you showed willing and, and uh, passion. Um, it it you know a lot of the people that I I, I work with there are still I'm, I'm sort of close and either working with me today or, or I'm I'm still friends with them. We had a really big sort of family. Um, and a great sort of team uh, ethos, and so I enjoyed um, a lot of a lot of the things about my time there. But I, I also loved the food. It was just kind of, you know, when you just sort of start cooking food and you just feel this is, you know, the food that I like to make. You know, I, it didn't really, I never really felt like that when I was cooking French bistro food. I felt like I was there to sort of learn yeah. te- technique, but I just. You know, I, I, I was going through the motions without really loving the food that I was cooking. I, I love to go and eat in French bistro, you know, French French restaurants. I, I, but just in terms of my style and how I wanted to cook, I really kind of uh, just found, you know, a space for myself at, um, at Ottolenghi. There were sort of big, large, punchy flavours, bright colours um, and, and sort of, cooking from the heart without too much fuss without too much you know, everything was done right but it wasn't um too overly, forced overly fussy food and that just kind of worked for me that was kind of like what i wanted to yeah do. yeah well i'm half iranian so uh, i i love i mean otolengi is probably uh the first chef of that sort of level bringing sort of middle middle eastern food to to that sort of level and, and introducing it to to that side of things and, and it's it's great I, I love seeing a cookbook like yours and, and looking through and and just seeing the promotion of sort of middle eastern food and, and the flavors and just how it's just great to see i mean it was fantastic looking through your book actually i, re- I really enjoyed it and uh 
some you. some fantastic recipes. Because, you know, I, I always get nervous because the thing is, is I mean, I'm I'm London, I'm, I'm from London, born and born and raised, and um, you, you know, it's it's not um, my background isn't uh, Iranian or Israeli or, or Moroccan. It's very much a case of me falling in love with the food of, of those countries and the and the region and and uh, taking you know little uh, influences and flavors and and techniques and marrying them with my own sort of influences from f- sort of growing up in in London which is this kind of melting pot of all these different um, you know communities and and yeah um, so that I was always worried when you know Turkish people or Moroccan people come in to, to the restaurant because we we don't sort of it's not an, a necessarily an authentic representation like for like of no. the scenes that we're influenced or inspired by that's kind of our style we, we, I just thought it would be a little bit fraudulent to try and uh, replicate exactly that because it's not my background my background is very much um, a sort of uh, a London a London background and and what that means to me is using you know the, the influences that are very much sort of Western and all the different you know communities that you get here and using that and merging it with the sort of flavors and the ingredients that we love so I, I always get nervous when when people come in and try it, but actually they love it and they love um, you know, I've had like Turkish people. I've got, we've got Turkish regulars. We've got Moroccan regulars. I've got Persian regulars. I mean, we have regulars from all over the world, but a lot of them yeah. come and they love that sort of uh, take on it because it is slightly different. You know, that's I think what they like about it is that it's uh, yeah. different from from you know the other the other Le- there are lots of different Lebanese restaurants out there doing brilliant Lebanese cuisine, but it, you know. It's a slightly different take, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, no. definitely. It does. Yeah. And, I mean, you, you spent uh, a few years living on Edgeware Road, so that makes you part Middle Eastern anyway, so <laughs> yeah. you can get away with it. Yeah, it's I did, all right. I did my time. I, I, did, I did. Yeah. I was literally on the Edgeware Road for six or seven years. So, yeah. Yeah, that's all right. You, you did your time. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean that's, that's another thing, but flicking through the book, it's not just Turkish or just, uh, say, Israeli or. I mean, it, it is an amalgamation of different influences. From that region and, and North Africa, and so it's it's not like you're again you're not just oh, this is a, a Turkish restaurant or a Turkish cookbook or something. It is an amalgamation of inspiration from from those places and yeah. flavors from those places, but but put down in, in, in like you said in, in a different way, which is which is great. Yeah, yeah, just makes you. it more accessible. I think it, it, so. When I looked through the book, it, it looked like a great way. I mean, a great promotion of those sort of flavors and stuff, but also uh, just Something to easy to get your teeth stuck into, I think. It looks enjoyable. It looks, yeah. I, I just thought on first flicking through, I thought it looked like a great book. Yeah. As soon as it arrived, I like messaged Dan, and I was like, Dan, this this is our this is our type of cookbook. This is the recipes that we're into, and it it just sings with us perfectly, doesn't it? Oh, that's brilliant. That's great to know. Yeah. I mean, you know, and then the other thing is, is I also uh, is Dan there? Yeah. Hi. 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 The other aspect is, you know, I also have a love for um, American barbecue. And again, it, it wasn't like I spent 10 or 15 years of my life being a pit master in Texas and working. So, uh, again, you know, <laughs> bor- borrowing sort of techniques and, and um, you know, dishes or flavors or, or stuff that comes from the sort of Western American mm-hmm. barbecue. But I've been following American barbecue for a long time long time long before i was um 
a professional chef and then, you know, watching the scene sort of emerge here in London and the sort of first, you know, uh, the likes of Pitt Q came along and just watched yeah. it. So I along and I, I wanted to take a bit of that and, and sort of, you know, those cooking techniques and, and everything that are, are commonly, you know, barbecue has its own, um, it's, it's, you know, I find it fascinating because it's, it's kind of, it's got its own, its own techniques and methods you know, it's own little culture everywhere. You know, you can find barbecue in Argentina, in Jamaica, in yeah. uh, southern states of America, in Australia. And, you know, in fact, I think there's, there's been a program on Netflix recently dedicated to sort of looking at the cultural aspect of barbecue across the world. Um, but I really, you know, have been a huge fan of, of American and, and Western barbecue. And I wanted to take that and kind of merge it with what I was sort of learning about, you know, uh, Middle Eastern, Levantine, North African cookery, and see what we could do if we if we sort of bring the bring those a little bit closer together and see what we come up with. So that's kind of what we try to express in the brand, and hopefully you kind of get a sense of that through through the book. Yeah, definitely. I just like you said as you're kind of describing. Then I was flicking through the book. I've got it in front of me, and I was like, Yeah, here we go. Smoked beef brisket. Everyone knows that from kind of the barbecue world. But then you go down your with cardamom rice, broad beans, and burnt butter yogurt. Not yeah. your typical American barbecue style. So yeah, it's yeah, that fusion, I'm, isn't it? That's really what it's all about with this book. Yeah, that's that's what we um, that's what we tried try try to do in in the restaurant. That's what we kind of uh, pitch ourselves as. Which uh, thankfully most most people really love. I, I'm sure there's some diehard American uh, barbecue enthusiasts who might begrudge us for taking brisket and putting it with cardamom rice <laughs> and likewise there might be some you know turkish people out there who who you know that's it's always the way you know you, you always get some people that like things uh, pure and, and very authentic you know yeah. you can't keep everyone happy josh no so exactly just that's stick it. to doing what you're doing we, we decided early that we were just we were never going to keep everyone happy and we just pick your course and and that's 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 the path to take I'm sure, exactly. I'm, I'm sure the yeah. Turkish will be happy with their cheeseburger kebab that you've got. Yeah, on exactly. Offer. <laughs> yeah, that is a real sort of, you know, that that I did. I think I mentioned something in the intro to that recipe, which is just, you know, they may never figure <laughs> us, but because yeah, have you have you guys been to Istanbul? I've actually not. No, it's right. it's massively massively on the cards for me uh, when I get back to Europe, but. Yeah. I mean, again, like uh, Tel Aviv, I would love to go to, not been. Yeah. Uh, like there's so many, uh, yeah, there's so many places that I, I have not been around around that region, yeah, which I'd love to go. It's difficult. The, the world's got so much to offer and you've only got a certain amount of time to see. You yeah. Know, you know, it's, it's a, but the, Istanbul, I mean, all, all of them, but Istanbul is just, um, it's got such a formidable, like strong culinary culture. People there love their food. Everyone eats out. It's a, a real thing for me to see when when you're there is quite how much of the population are eating out in the restaurants. Yeah. Some countries you go to that have amazing food culture, but the sort of the majority of people can't afford to eat in the restaurants, or they don't. The places feel like almost they're there for you know tourists or for um, yeah the the, the 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 middle class or but but Istanbul has this real sort of eating out. Um, you know, everybody's eating out. The streets are alive. The food is unbelievable there. It's really one of my favourite places to go. Uh, I mean, the whole of Turkey, but but Istanbul is one of my favourite places to go for food exploration. And I think literally this stuff. week, I think David Chang uh, posted. Do you know they got the new thing on Twitter? Oh no, sorry, on Instagram where people can ask you a question. 
and someone was like, oh, what's the most un- most underrated uh, cuisine in the world? Or like, And, and he said Turkish. I totally yeah. agree with him. That, yeah. would my, that would be my answer as well. I think people think of Turkish cuisine as being just basically kebabs. And, and that's really the UK's fault. Realize, <laughs> yeah. they, they don't realise the level, the breadth of the cuisine, quite ha- the level of technique. Um, no. You know, like, the people making... Uh, the kebabs. I'm not talking about sort of doner or, or the the things, like that, but you know your other your skewered kebabs or you know that. Yeah. Uh, if you if you ask people about you know sushi, you know most people know, or they'll tell you, oh, it takes however many years to become a sushi master and the training that goes into it. You know, you're not allowed to. Yeah. To, to be a sushi master, I don't know the exact facts myself. It's seven or eleven years or what it is. But I know yeah. that, that, that to be an Uster, a Turkish sort of grill master, is a similar uh, process. You, you know, you're, you're not allowed to get to the grill until you've gone through like arduous training, being a butcher. And their butchery skills are unbelievable. You know, that, that old Salt Bay, is it Salt Bay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Proving a little bit out of touch, but Salt Bay. You know, that's, that's founded in something that the, the Turks are, are, have amazing butchery skills. And, yeah. Um, it's so it's just a cuisine that's got so much going on um, and so much technique to it, whether it's pastry, savory. Uh, and I, I, but anyway, where I was going with it is that they have these kofta houses that are just dedicated to making. That's the only thing they make. It's, it's just kofta. They specialize yeah. that you go there. There's really nothing else on the menu except for uh, kofta, uh, which in that's all you need. is quite a simple thing. But you go there and you, it's like it's really mind blowing. how they Mind blowing. Yeah. So, simple tastes so good and so when with the cheeseburger kofta in in the book i felt i thought to myself you know because they're taking something in its simplest form and making it just really like like dedicated to specializing making it absolutely perfect that is a bit of a a, a bastardization of a, of a recipe um but <laughs> yeah, I, but but, but uh, it tastes good that's all i can say <laughs> awesome yeah. yeah, I need to try it. It's definitely on my list of ones to try. But my problem yeah. is, I thought oh, I'll go free. I'll make a little list, and the list was like too many things. I was like, oh, I'll just take the book out with me. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Let me know how you get on with it. What you think? Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remembered the other dish that I did with it. Now I'm, I'm a bit. Um, Dan gets annoyed with me, but I like to eat quite a lot of vegetables, and it's quite frowned upon in the barbecue society. But uh, I, I, I was really pleasantly surprised that. There's loads and loads of veggie and fish recipes in the book. Um, yeah. And I also did the, like, kale and asparagus and broad bean tabouleh one. Oh, brilliant. How did it work out? Went really good. I I substituted yeah. out the bulgur wheat with quinoa because my wife's gluten-free. Um, All right. But That's apart great. from that, followed it exactly, and we've had it probably, like, three or four times in the last oh, two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, the thing is, I, I said, you know what? Firstly, swapping out the bulgur for the quinoa, I really feel like recipe cookbooks, you know, obviously it comes with a degree of experience and confidence and, and those sort of things. But for me, cookbooks are only ever, you, you know, they're not like a, a Bible that you have to follow. No. You know, I, I, I really like feel a like, blueprint. You know, often, you know, you, you might be missing an ingredient, you can't find it, you swap it out for something else that you think might work and you actually end up with something that's better than, you, you know, that's, that's how I find a lot of... Um, a lot of the best food I make comes out of, you know, I have a plan and then for whatever reason I'm missing something, I sub it out and I, whatever I started with and it, you know, gets taken away and it ends up being being better. So I really, I like to hear it when people say, 
you know, I hope you don't mind. I sub this out and I swap, swap this. It's, that's a good thing for me because it means people playing around with things and having the confidence to do things. And I like to hear how how it worked out uh, and and you know get you know bounce ideas around. So so that's good to hear. Yeah, definitely um, works perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> and then just to like, I'm really pleased you talk about the um, the vegetables and the fish because that was a big thing for us when we opened the restaurant. Obviously, coming from Otolenghi, I was quite I was very comfortable and confident with vegetables it's something that i'm really sort of spending a lot of time I, I, you know our restaurant's called berber and q there's quite a sort of uh if you think of barbecue culture i think you automatically think of sort of meat and 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 steak and you know brisket and uh these sort of heavy rich meats which don't get me wrong i do love but we, we really wanted to make sure that vegetables had a stage and uh sung for themselves and that people didn't just automatically assume that our restaurant was uh, just another sort of dude food barbecue restaurant. You know, yeah. It wasn't, yeah. It was, yeah. And so I'm really pleased you picked up on that because, you know, and that, luckily, well, you know, maybe not luckily, but, but it, it, people sort of acknowledge that when we opened a lot of the reviews, we, we sort of co- commented on the on the vegetables, which was great for us because that's that was really what we wanted the, the place to be about. And we didn't want people to. So, so anyway, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that's what you picked up from the book. Yeah, definitely. Like you say, it's important, especially in like the restaurant, to to be able to cater for everyone. It's it's difficult when you do have people that only eat certain foods. And I really feel like looking at your menu that you really do have something for everyone. Everyone's going to be happy, aren't they? Yeah, brilliant. Well, glad you say that. You you I did a uh, I had a cauliflower recipe and we put out a, a cookbook a few years ago for Christmas and it was uh, so our fresco Christmas. Just getting people to cook out outdoors, and uh, you literally buried my recipe. I had a cauliflower recipe, and you just buried it in the dirt. And my actual <laughs> my, my cauliflower recipe was it was actually inspired. It was uh, an Israeli cook, and what he did is he parboil like similar to what you do. So you parboil the uh, the cauliflower, and then yep. basically <clears throat> baste it with butter, and, and, and basically uh, roast it in a really hot oven, which right. is along the lines of what I did, and, and with a few different spices and stuff. But just the cauliflower shawarmas. I, th- I believe so. Yes, yeah. I do. I I didn't want to try and pronounce. No, no, because <laughs> you know he, that, he he kind of that was where I first had a whole roast of cauliflower. I went to. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I went to. He's that's his main his his thing is his restaurant Miznon. Uh, well, he's got a few restaurants in Tel Aviv. Um, yeah. And, uh, I went there and and had just you know there was like I went to this this restaurant called Miznon. They do these these stuffed pitters and. Uh, I don't know, you know, anyone, anyone's been, but there's like, it's like a, a shrine to, to cauliflower. <laughs> yeah. like cauliflowers everywhere, like on these shelves, people were coming in with cauliflowers, people were leaving cauliflower. I mean, it's it like, um, Tel Aviv is a bit of a madhouse at the best of times. But you go in there and like, everyone was like, she was like, I think I went there on my, my first night on this trip that I, one of my first, yeah. But not first trip, you know, probably my third time to Tel Aviv. But there'd been a long gap between the, t- the time previous. And I got there yeah. my first night. I walked into the Nisnod. The people are screaming. The waiters, like, they serve you. It's like counting <laughs> service. And they're screaming, shouting out names. And it was just complete chaos. But all that, that there was was just cauliflowers everywhere coming in and out. Some roasted. It was just a pretty, a, a real assault on the senses. And he just does them very, very simply. He believes in the sort of purity of the you know just taking a great ingredient and doing it very, very yeah. simply, right it was just uh, was it oil or butter that you you were doing it in uh, i 
I'm trying to think back now. I think that I was using uh, butter, but I think that he did use oil, if I remember correctly. But his recipe, I mean, he, uh, his recipe inspired me and I tried it out and, and that was yeah. the inspiration behind it. And I basically, like a twist on it was that I, I roasted it in a, in a smoker, but like a hot and fast roast. So you got it, you blackened right. it up, but you got a bit of smoke flavor in there. And, and that was, uh, and a few different spices and stuff. And that was my sort of play on it. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a similar recipe that, that inspired me. And then I just see your, your cauliflower shawarma just. Was it good? Sorry. Oh, it was amazing. It was yeah. absolutely amazing. I remember having these cauliflower and I thought, wow, this is amazing. Like it's like really nothing more than just a cauliflower with some salt. Like, but, yeah. But you know, I just, <clears throat> I thought it was amazing, but I, I, I just wanted to do, I felt like you could pimp it up pimp the ride oh, mass- you know? yeah yeah and, and that's kind of that's i just was like this is really amazing but imagine what you did if you smothered it in tahini with pomegranate molasses rubbed it in butter and put oh, a whole lot of stop it, on it. stop <laughs> it how he came filthy was, um, <laughs> was to sort of but i mean he, he probably would look at that and think we've, we've like ruined that. Yeah. <laughs> what have you so, done <laughs> for me it was like an, an opportunity to take something and just like vamp it up yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. Well, this, the, sim- the simple recipe, like what, what I did basically is like, we don't have a, like a roast dinner or something or like it features on a, on the family table all the time. People just, it's, it's a, one of the most common ways that we do, oh, if we bring some veg into the, into the, the, the dish or whatever, or we want to serve some veg up. It's one yeah. of the main ways that we, we want to serve it. So it's, it is amazing. And you just, it's so just delicious, really. So yeah, I mean, Cauliflower is a great one for the barbecue or for smoking. It's got a really sort of like meaty quality to it. That's like, it's, it's a great vegetable, like vegetarian main. I find, I think it's a bit of an underrated, a bit like Turkish cuisine. If you ask me which yeah. one of the most underrated vegetables, I'd probably go for, I mean, I used to hate it when I was a kid. Uh, and I think a lot of people, it's a bit like Marmite cauliflower. People like the, it divides it like either you hate it or you love it for the most part i might be wrong i haven't done a social study to to find out whether that's actually that's actually <laughs> correct or not but it's just it's kind of something that i get a sense for that people like, yeah. belong to one camp or the other they either love it or they hate it yeah definitely and i, I went on for after dan showed me the kind of whole cauliflower at the time i was like yeah we, i think there's like so much more like probably like you thought yourself like there's so much more you could do with it and i did a like a cheats cauliflower cheese where you kind of basically just do that but chop some grooves into it and poke cheese into it and let that melt into it and just that's your quickest cauliflower cheese you can make yeah yeah and how did it come out yeah it works really well apart from if you do it for too long and the cheese just all drains away yeah (laughs) but i wonder what would happen if you made like a bechamel and then drizzled that over the top yeah that's all it needed let's do that I'm off. Yeah. See you later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Next cookbook. No, there's lots, there's lots, there's lots you can do with a cauliflower. It's, yeah. Uh, Let's just do a whole, good. whole book on whole cauliflowers. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> that is. I was thinking, what should I do next? Yeah, that's that idea. sorted. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, that's it. No, I, I, uh, I, I, I get asked to do that cauliflower dish quite a lot these days. So I probably what I don't need is to go and write an entire cookbook on. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that but to yeah. us. We'll sort it out. <laughs> well, one day, one day, I'll come. I'll come for you for a contributing recipe. You can yeah. do a cauliflower cheese. Yeah, I'll work on it. I'll perfect and, uh, it. You can, do, you can throw your one in there as well. Just might need to find awesome. 
takes it away from Al Shanis. Yeah, we just won't mention him. Just pretend. Yeah, exactly. Never heard of him. Yeah, he doesn't have the the copyright to rubbing the cauliflower in olive oil and roasting it in the oven. No, no, no. He can't. Yeah. Now you got you got to pay homage. I'll 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 lose my recipe and I'll give it to him. Okay. (laughs) Fair enough. I've just uh, just turned another page now and seen the word juje kebab. And that yep. Dan mm. Dan, you introduced me to that. That was like, I'd never yes. even heard of it before, but your like Iranian background, you introduced me to all sorts of new stuff and the what was the two different kebabs you used to always say? It was juje or uh, sweet soup bar quite a lot. Yeah, so, is it? yeah. Yeah. That's again like marinated, that's that's beef well, that so it's, land fillet. Yes, yeah, so you can do it with lamb fillet, or you can do it with beef fillet, basically. Uh, yeah. And yeah, it's just thinly sliced and sort of uh, bashed out a bit oh, on the skewers. And is it, yeah. it's, it's yogurt and onion, right? Tender, it's yeah, yeah. Yogurt and onion, yeah. Yeah, yogurt, onion, oh, saffron. The versions are amazing, bar- like, amazing bar- barbecue. Like, like, really, like, if you get good Persian grill, like, that's, that's up there for me. Thank you. <laughs> Dan's claiming that himself. Yeah. yeah. Right. By, by good Persian grill, you mean me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to record that. Yeah, we've got that. One. We've got that now. Right. Awesome. And the, the book's also got kind of how to's and techniques and stuff as well. So there's loads of recipes, but also like loads of cool ways to help you out with cooking over fire, really. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it's a big topic. You could write a book just entirely based on, uh, you know, well, maybe not a whole, but you could write a lot on technique and how-tos. I, I wanted, I needed to find a way of sort of getting enough in there to make people feel confident without obviously taking up too much of the book on it. Yeah. Um, Here's but, a hard balance yeah, I mean, when the, you write the real, this sort of book. The real thing with barbecue, what I love about it, is, I mean, I, I feel like um, it's got this, people are quite intimidated by it, but really it's just... That's the same with anything. It's about trial and error. You got to, you get out there. You know what I want from the book. What I really like is is um, <coughs> people to get out and just start practicing because that's the only way you get better. Is you know get over that fear of of uh, you know you have to build a fire and control it. And you know there are a few different variables, but just to get people out and realize that it doesn't have to be that complicated. You don't have to be no. a pit master. You know, obviously, there are these pit masters that have been doing it their whole lives and serving however many people, and they they smoke for twelve hours. But you know, barbecue doesn't have to. <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Barbecue doesn't have to involve that. You can work your way towards that, and there are lots of different stages, lots of different things that that you can do. And I just think that sort of getting people out, reconnecting with that that form of cookery, uh, and and sort of cooking over fire is a good thing. You know, so. Exactly. Like people don't even have the time to. That's the thing is that, again, like you don't you don't want people to think that, that is the only thing. So like people don't have to, some people don't have the time to go out and do that. So introducing all, all different styles of different things and and like you said, the the main thing is getting people outdoors and cooking. And I mean, yeah. that is what what we what we're all about and, and trying to encourage people. And that that's really important. Yeah. And I try I tried to get a spread. I did. You know, I really thought through the recipe. So there was a spread. You know, A, in terms of uh, difficult, like level of difficulty, so there's something for everyone. You know, there's, there's really, like, basic recipes that, uh, you know, just for sort of direct grilling on coal that don't take very long, all the way up to smoking brisket and everything in between. And I tried to get a spread so that there was just something for everyone. 
and it's almost like you could take yourself on a bit of a journey as you get better at barbecue, you know, going from the very simple things uh, all the way up to, to more complicated, however you define define that, yeah. I guess. Um, so, Ben, it's probably best if you start off at the uh, just beginner's keep, side. Keep to the whole cauliflower for now, shall I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, but the last thing I wanted to mention, just because I just saw the word jazz, and me and Dan say jazz all the time. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and I just saw in your book, it says, uh, be a jazz musician in the kitchen. <laughs> I don't know where I came up with that. So <laughs> I think it'd been a long... A long, uh, a, a long period of writing. I actually, th- this is a, a, a true story. Was that I, um, I, I scheduled my 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 deadline for the book was like the, the first or second week of, of last September now, and so I thought, you know, to finish, I will book myself a holiday to Morocco for a week. Nice. I, I, there was a music festival I wanted to go to, and I wanted to go and explore the food and go up into the Atlas Mountains and. I booked myself this <coughs> retreat in the Atlas Mountains. I thought, because it's a real, like, I found it a real slog writing a book. I don't know, maybe some people are better at it than others or quicker. I, but I found it like a really time-consuming and a lot of hard work. And so I booked myself this week to Morocco. But um, I missed my deadline. So <laughs> instead, of, instead of finishing the book and then going on this holiday, my holiday became the last week of writing the book frantically trying to get it finished right <laughs> and i don't know if either of you've been to morocco but like you know i was up in this atlas mountains retreat and when i say retreat it wasn't like a fancy expensive retreat it was just a nice place in the mountains but all of the seating was kind of like you know that low level floor yeah very traditional moroccan which is like great she like, had a bad back as well <laughs> Great, great for lounging on, but if you have to like write on a computer yeah. solidly for like nine or ten hours a day, I can tell you that's not what you want. Well, they didn't have like a normal seat in the house. I'm not making this up. There's yeah. no like desk, right? I was like <laughs> hunched over trying to frantically like get the last bits of it written out, like while sitting on these like low level seating. So what was supposed to be a really relaxing retreat was um, backache. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, there are worse places to write than the, the Atlas Mountains, so I shouldn't complain too much. But I think that's that's probably in like my a period of delirium. Yeah. That's where I came up with the jazz musician. Well, I'm glad you came up with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, anyway. So that's that. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, we're running up to our half. Well, we've gone over a half an hour mark, but we're just enjoying okay. it too much. But yeah. we, it's been great having you on. Um, nice one. Just before before you go, can you just tell us like where people can come and find you? Where's the restaurant? You've got restaurant and you've got the bar as well, haven't you? Yeah, we've got two restaurants. East London, Berber and Q Grill House is in Haggerston. Most people say Hagger Ware. It's just, um, it's up the road from Shoreditch. Um, oh, yeah. It's a, 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 cool. a, kilo, a kilometre or, or so up the road from Shoreditch, so it's really not far. And then the other one on Exeter Market in Clerkenwell. Uh, so we have those two places. We have another little takeaway um kiosk in spitalfields market again east london uh just down the road and we pop up all over the place we do events mainly in the summer we're at wilderness this year uh if anyone is going to wilderness we have our own sort of tented area you know cool. music and and all sorts of uh live fire cookery we're, we're cooking over fire in a tent 
So perfect. <laughs> we haven't we haven't tested this out yet, so we're hoping that it won't be too smoky in there. But we're going to find out the hard way. I, I have a feeling. So if anyone's going to wilderness, you can come and find us in there. We've got space for walk-ins. Yeah, uh, just and that's, that's that's really it. Yeah. Find your way through the smoke, and you should be able to find them. <laughs> yeah, if you find a tent on fire, yeah. sort of just sort of going <laughs> off, you'll probably be, you'll probably know where to come and find us. That's the one. The slight smell of like cauliflower burning—that should be the area. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. You can smell your way to us at Wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Nice one. Yeah, thanks for your time again, mate. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you very much. Love Cheers. Been a great time. See you later. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Thanks, bye. bye. You're listening to United Q Podcast. We're brought to you by Pro Q, Kamado Joe, Thermopen, and Smokewood Shack. Pro-Q's extensive range of bullet smokers, reverse flow and gravity-fed smokers will suit all, from the home enthusiast to the big volume caterer. Kamado Joe, the king of ceramics, is renowned for build quality and innovation. From smoking, roasting or searing, get that great barbecue taste and keep the moisture locked in. Thermapen Instant Read Thermometers. Take the guesswork out of barbecuing with the super fast Thermapen. Smokewood Shack delivers quality smoking wood every time. They provide the smoky goodness, you provide the talent.